Hey, good morning, friends. Skip here. October 4th, 8.40 a.m. Hope all things are well with you in your life. Got a nice, cool start to the morning. Uh, we're about to take a nosedive, according to the meteorologist, into fall, which I am totally okay with. I'm not a big fan of... <clears throat> of winter. I'm not a big fan of freezing cold, but I am a big fan of uh, some cooler temps, a little more comfortable, a little drier air. So, looking forward to that. Uh, pretty tired. I worked yesterday in the preschool setting. Uh, Three-year-olds wore me out. I got today off. I'll work Thursday and Friday. So, uh, a little late start on the podcast, but here we are, so I, I got my windows open, and uh, let's get into our topic. Uh, just celebrated on our podcast the 12,000th, we're a titch over 12,000 now, total listens. Now, I will grant to you, uh, that's two and a half years <laughs> of, of almost every day published uh, uh publishing a, a podcast so uh, that's a lot of it's a lot of podcasts but 12,000 listens is is that's I think that's something to celebrate so if you've listened from the beginning I thank you if you've listened at all if this is your first podcast I thank you for listening uh, one of the things I haven't done for a while is I have not done a sort of refresh recap uh since school school started, I'm a public school substitute teacher, para educator. Uh, I uh, have not done this. It's it's not. I don't know. It's trying to fit into a schedule that's never set is is never easy. But I I have neglected for some reason uh, for several weeks this sort of recap, which. I typically do about every 15 episodes, 10 episodes. So here we go. We're going we're gonna to talk about what finding meaning is. So, you know, grab a cup of coffee, uh, have, a, have a seat, you know, turn up your car radio, whatever you have going on, and, and let's, let's get into this. Finding meaning uh, is about finding authenticity real meaning in one's life. We are on a quest, all of us, and I don't care who we are. We are trying to find purpose. We are trying to find meaning. We are trying to understand who we are in the big scheme of life. With all of its joys and all of its sorrows, with all of its challenges, ultimately, what it means to be a human in the 21st century seems to be that we are searching. Now, unfortunately, uh, we are searching in places that will not give us the answer. We are searching through systems, through uh, religion, through politics, through self-help. And we've done this forever. Don't get me wrong. It's not new to our century. 
But it seems as though the more advanced we become, certainly technologically, the more desperate for the meaning we become. So, it's been, gosh, now it's been almost seven years now when I had one of three or four of the greatest epiphanies of my life. And it became clear to me through a series of of circumstances that the reason we can't find meaning is because we're not looking in the right places. We're looking in the places that other people have created who couldn't find meaning. In other words, we live in a reality that is constructed of and constructed by people and ideas and concepts that do not reflect who we are as humans authentically. I I hope, you know, that's about as simple as I can put it. Now let me unpack that a little bit. What I mean by a reality that has been created by people who are not aware of themselves is all of human history, all of the wars, all of the violence, all of the prejudice, all of the hurt, the multitude of billions of people who have died from uh, starvation and poverty, the fact that we still live in a world as technologically advanced as we are, where thousands of people die every single day of hunger or curable disease. The reason we can't resolve these things is because we have created over millennia after millennia after millennia of being human. We have created ways of being and systems of understanding that discount things like kindness and compassion and love. We have created a world that discounts those things. That's why when you see someone do a real act of kindness, everyone's very moved by that because that's who we really are. We are really kind, aware, compassionate, loving beings at our core. However, that core is covered up with things like greed and power and shame, and guilt, and arrogance, and prejudice, and, well, I'll say greed again. Greed's a big part of, of, of why people starve. Now, I'm not ever going to talk about politics on this podcast. I'm not talking about some human notion of politics, folks. I think they've kind of all failed uh, all, all sorts of politics have failed the human race because we cannot get beyond the need for power, the perceived need for control. And you can break that idea down into the smallest of relationships. Not that they're not important, but things like uh, siblings or marriages or 
partnerships have the same issue as countries and societies and races because we are programmed, my friends, we are programmed to perceive the world through dualistic terms. That is to say that our club is better than your club, our color is better than your color, our country is better than your country, our, our way of life, our house, our car, uh, our way of thinking. The way we're raised, the way we are programmed as if we were computers is that we should perceive things in comparison. And we, com- we find our identity by that comparison. That's the way the world teaches us. <clears throat> what it teaches us is that envy and jealousy and comparison and competition is legitimate when it's not. Uh, Because of that, and I see this in my work to this day, I I saw it yesterday in a three-year-old preschool. Because of being programmed to compare and thus try to find an identity through that comparison, we have stifled, we have truncated, we have basically in many ways just stopped the ability for us to find who we truly are. And it's not that it's a conscious choice on our part. We are subconsciously trained to live in this reality that is constructed of false ways of perception. Now, I'm not talking about good or bad, necessarily. Uh, You've heard me say this before. When you're talking about dualism... Uh, there are bad things that happen. Uh, there are people who have learned to be bad and they produce bad things in this world. So I'm not talking about this sort of rosy colored glasses perception. When I'm talking about dualism, I'm talking about this programming, this learned behavior this social conditioning that tells us we have to compare ourselves to others. We have to climb ladders. We have to adhere to hierarchy. We have to submit to to a way of finding oneself by comparing ourselves to other people. And so my question then becomes, for, the, for you and for the world, how's this working for you? <laughs> and I don't mean to make light of it, but it seems pretty obvious to me that none of this is working. None of it, none of the things that we have established in this world have brought us together as humans have resolved things like poverty, have resolved things like war. Uh, people are still dying of starvation while you know, 1% of the world's population has most of the money, most of the wealth. We haven't resolved it 
because, <clears throat> well, frankly, we're ignorant of how to resolve it. And that's what finding meaning hopefully touches upon. That we are conditioned culturally. We have family conditioning. We have an education. Uh, we have political conditioning and religious conditioning. We are formed by these ideas and these concepts. And they more often than not, I'm going to give a little grace here, they more often than not prevent us from finding out who we truly are. Because they themselves have to preserve themselves. When I uh, finally got my degree, my senior thesis was the fact that religion can't really show true compassion and true forgiveness because that will dismantle the institution. Uh, a corporation, I, I live just down the street from a factory where I worked for a while, they can't show real empathy and compassion because that will then threaten, at least in their eyes, their way of making money, their way of <clears throat> preserving their business, preserving their religion, preserving their institution. That their institution, and I don't care what kind it is, religious, economic, political, that they're all based in a sense of comparison and competition because that's what we've learned. So, What I hope to accomplish through finding meaning is that we can begin to see that those moments of love and forgiveness and kindness are really the reality and not the thing that we think is reality. Uh, we think reality is compare, contrast, win, lose, etc., etc. When in fact, I'm convinced through my own experience and through 50, almost 58 years of learning that what reality really is are those moments of love and kindness, those moments of eternity, right? Those moments of, <clears throat> of generosity, those moments of empathy. So let me ask you this. If someone's ever really shown you forgiveness or compassion or empathy, if someone's really helped you, someone's really shown you real grace, how have you felt? Or if you've had to show someone forgiveness and generosity and kindness, how have you felt? Well, there's a sense of freedom. There's a sense of relief. There's a deep sense of joy, regardless of the circumstances. And I, I don't necessarily mean happiness. Happiness is an emotion. <clears throat> it can come and go. But even if it's something like, let's say you're in line at the local coffee shop and someone in front of you pays your bill, that makes you feel pretty good that there's a human in the world that would think, they would, they would have the courtesy and the courage to think that way. Well, my friends, I contest, I claim that that act of generosity, even if it's something simple like buying a coffee, is truly the reality that we should live out of. And it's easy to say, oh, that's naive. Well, 
I think it's more naive, honestly, to continue to live in a dualistic way of thinking. It's those moments of love, those moments of kindness, those moments of generosity, those moments when someone takes the time, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to build you up rather than tear you down, takes the time to help rather than hurt. It's hard to do in this world, my friends, because we are conditioned to do something else. I'm convinced, <clears throat> I'm convinced that what spirituality really is, is not what you believe about God or what religion you belong to or how long you can meditate or et cetera, et cetera. I'm convinced what true spirituality is, is living beyond the dualistic notions of this world, out of a true sense of kindness and compassion. Now, we, can't, we don't do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly because I am still dealing with 50-some years of conditioning, cultural conditioning. I had a whole career, my brothers and sisters, in, in religion where it was all about competition and hierarchy and preservation of the system. Um, it's the way I was raised, right? It's the way we're all raised. We're raised to believe that the A student's better than the C student. We're raised to believe that you know, one religion is absolutely right and the others are wrong. We're raised to believe that our political party is right and others are demons, you know, basically. That's all wrong. That's the fault, that's the matrix. That's the false reality. The true reality is when we can find commonality in our humanness, <clears throat> when we can share love and generosity, and when someone holds that door open for you or someone is generous to you, uh, that's it, my friends. Let me get a drink here. <clears throat> that is it. That's the reality we live in. When you have real compassion for any living creature, when you have real forgiveness for yourself, <clears throat> that's it. Anyway, I think I better go take some allergy medicine. Thanks for your time, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.